Lectionary Lab Live is recorded live in Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. Good to hear you today and get up with you as we talk some text and think about preaching for this 16th Sunday after Pentecost. These are the texts for September the 17th, 2023. Good stuff, Bubba. Straightforward today. I say jump in there and uh, let's do it. Well, you know, sometimes I try to do this overall theme for all the text, and I don't shoehorn too much, but today it would take a big shoehorn to make that work. <laughs> so I just want to remind yeah. you how the texts are picked, yeah. and particularly in ordinary time in which we have, you know, the gospel lesson, and then there is a complementary Hebrew scripture text with a psalm that goes with it. Those three are always connected. Mm-hmm. Then the epistle lesson for most of the season, most of the time, there's exceptions, is a semi-continuous reading of an epistle mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the Acts. Yeah. And the, the other track that we're also covering during ordinary time, the semi-continuous track, is, you know, it's working its way through salvation history this year. Yeah. Today's yeah. a day they don't really connect. Yeah. Yeah. To what else? So first one, the semi-continuous text uh is theme you know the one Mm -hmm. from exodus and and romans that one is is the similar theme they have going is the life as a community of believers Mm -hmm. you know you could you could work with that with those two texts you've got children of israel going through the red sea and they're moving together and the trust in Moses and trust in God and working together as a community. And in Romans, that whole situation with the weaker brethren and how do we bring everybody along? Mm -hmm. So, and the sovereignty of God, that's that section. You could build a very tenuous connection if you wanted to, to the gospel and everything else, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about that. The others, Genesis, Psalm 103 and Matthew are tied together on the theme of forgiveness mm-hmm. and very clearly on forgiveness. And if, unless you're just dying to talk about Cecil B. DeMille's depiction of the dividing of the Red <laughs> Sea or meat offered to idols and whether you should Sabbatarianism, I think most people would prefer today yeah. to go with forgiveness. It's a I great, so. it's the main theme. And and the, pro, the uh, before I get into the text, I just want to say the thing with with forgiveness and the, today is it's a simple thing to understand the premise you're going to promote yeah. intellectually. Yeah, God has forgiven us much; we forgive others. That's easy to get in your head, right? It is one of the most difficult things in the world to get in your heart. The but. The yes buts, my wife was a clinical social worker, a therapist, and she liked to talk about the yes buts, the mm-hmm. people who would agree with either their partner mm-hmm. or with the therapist, and then they have their yes but list, yeah. the reasons this doesn't apply. And so 
we believe in forgiveness, but, and Jesus' lesson here allows no buts. Yeah. With slightly different lingo, but just a different accent. We always call them the yeah buts. Yeah, yeah buts. buts. Yeah, yeah buts. buts. Yeah, but Yeah, the yeah buts. Yeah, mm-hmm. So let's go through these texts, and we'll be uh, fairly quick today. So Exodus fourteen nineteen through 31. Uh, if you look carefully, you will realize this is a mixing of two strands, mm-hmm. two traditions. I'm not going to try to say which is which and do all that. You can find that in the commentaries. But what you do see is in one of them, which I call the Cecil B. DeMille edition, mm-hmm. you know, they've been let go. They get to the river. Here come the Egyptians. Moses takes his staff, reaches it out. The waters part. They walk through on dry land, and then they get to the other side, and the Egyptians come through, and God says, let the waters come back. And Moses reaches out his arm, and the waters come back. And it's very dramatic. It's a nice piece of dramatic storytelling. And, of course, this is why DeMille is telling the, the story. This is the way it goes. Mixed in with this is actually a different way of telling the story. You've got... Stuff that actually begin, belongs in the wilderness experience with the pillar of fire and the cloud. Mm-hmm. And you've got, it references a, the Israelite army. What kind of army did this bunch of slaves have? You know? <laughs> but so what you've got is they're out here and the pillar of cloud and fire is keeping the Egyptians away, mm-hmm. protecting. Mm-hmm. And then the wind comes from the east and blows the water enough and it's not exactly dry land in this version but they could work there they go through and then the egyptians come with their heavy chariots and notice it says their chariots and all this and they get stuck in the mud and if you've ever been to the certain parts of the beach on the atlantic coast the tide come is really deep out there where it's dry it's it's you could walk on it but if you're not careful the tide Mm -hmm. will come in and suddenly you're caught it's a long ways and it's mm-hmm. going up. Well, this is kind of the version that the second strand does yeah. is they got stuck and they couldn't get out and they couldn't get back to shore before they drowned. Mm-hmm. So, and so it's interesting that those two strands are there, but the theme is consistent for this story. The community in time of trouble, Yahweh delivers, That's whether it. it be by dramatic unilateral mm-hmm. action or by less dramatic happenstance and coincidence god delivers and the second theme is in verse 31 israel saw that god had delivered and they mm-hmm. it says feared but it means more along the lines of believed and trusted in who god was and psalm 114 is just kind of a hymnic version of a re- re- recalling that event. That's it. It is a symbol. Uh, this this story very closely attached to that. The cloud and the pillar. This is an active God who is with us. Uh, they're on the move. The cloud and the pillar are always there. It. This is the work of God. The, the pillar of fire holding the army back. And then I love the summary in verse thirty. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. Yeah. Here's one of our many tellings of God's salvation salvation and it's one of the key things to remember is that that uh, uh i've been reading uh, let me rephrase it elizabeth actemeyer who taught old testament at union seminary in virginia mm-hmm. for years one of the first women ordained at the presbyterian church 
what is now the Presbyterian Church USA, and she was a Hebrew Scriptures or Old Testament in her terms professor. She wrote an article about how the Christian Church had lost the Old Testament, but for preaching, mm-hmm. and uh, said once we did away with the Reformation style of reading Christ into everything, we got where we weren't sure how to what preach. What do we do with this? Yeah. These stories, and we didn't know how to say a salvific God is active with Israel. With And we almost did a kind of, uh, we wouldn't consciously call it anti-Semitic, but we would kind of say, well, the the Hebrew people did their best to figure out God, but they just got it wrong. And then Jesus came along and revealed who, yeah. who God is. And then, you know, the uh, we, we, we then defined it in Christian theology. That's, that's dangerous. Mm, it is. That's dangerous, it and is. it's inconsistent. So, if you're preaching this, it is it, you don't have to bring Christ into it to talk about the Jesus into it to talk about God's option, preferential option for the poor, and how God acts to save God's people. God's always there, and it is God's salvation. Of course, and, and, to, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, of course, today you can read this second Exodus selection as the Psalm text if yes, you would like to. If you yeah. want to do that, yeah, yeah. Miriam so, Song. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about Romans because those two are, you know, because I want to do the Genesis Matthew together. Right. So, okay. Romans 14, 1 through 12, it talks about the weak in faith, how to handle disagreements, arguing over opinions within the community of faith. Um, man, is, that is pretty uh, current, arguing <laughs> over opinions. Both I don't in know the how it could be more of, current. Community of faith or mm-hmm. in the community in, at large. Uh, you know, there's a good medieval term, uh, Lutherans love, adiaphora, the things that don't matter. But the question is, who gets to decide what yeah. doesn't matter? may matter a lot more to you than it does to me. I but, mean, I think most yeah. of us can agree that the church doesn't need to split over the color of the carpet. You know, Though some have. But some have, quarreling over opinions. But um, And in this text, it's unclear, is meat... Is he advocating a kind of vegetarianism, <laughs> or is this meat offered to idols that we hear otherwise? Is it the Sabbath, or Christians observing the first day and not really observing the Sabbath, or is it should Christians do Roman state holidays? You know, and, and it's unclear. But for Paul, the question is not the content of the quarrel. It's the effect of the quarrel on the community. And the question has to do, how do we find a way to deal with concerns without splitting the community? And he has a couple of answers, one one of which is do not make penultimate things ultimate things. That is, do not make things that are important but not most important. Don't turn them into things that become most important. And the other is to uh, recognize that this is, as a Christian, it's not me and Jesus. This is a real problem in American Christianity. Uh, We're very individualistic, and it's about, and and we sometimes fail to recognize that to be a Christian is to be Mm -hmm. a Christian in community. The church is the body of Christ. I'm not the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Christ mm-hmm. and the body of Christ is messy. It's a fan- the only reason I 
only reason to use the word family for a church is families are dysfunctional and messy. <laughs> Churches are too. It's not an ideal, yeah. it's a reality. Yeah. And so you figure out how do you deal in family with a sibling that's difficult, but you want them there for Thanksgiving. That's it. That's it. How I, do you how do you sort this through? And Paul's encouragement is to recognize mm-hmm. uh, you know, that on for so then each of us will be accountable to God. The last That's verse, right. fourteen, twelve. Christ died for all of us. We're accountable. Let's keep mm-hmm. that central as we discuss these things yeah. that we disagree about. And as much as possible, concede to the weaker brother. I like that weaker brother. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a weaker brother sometimes. Yeah. If you're stronger in an area, use some of that strength to uh, defer and, you know, bring along. I, I call the center of this uh, little passage, verses 7 and 8, the John Donne approach. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. Yes, exactly. Living is to the Lord. Dying is for Christ. And and so yeah. we, it, we are connected. It's not just me or me and Jesus, as you say. So No person is an island. Yep. And we have to sort out how to do it. All right, so those two are about life and community, and both of them have put God, it's the sovereignty of God, as the Calvinist would say. Uh, you know, God is first, and so how do we sort out being the community of God, the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and how do we work that out? Now, let's shift over to the Genesis and Matthew texts, yes, because this is the the key for the day. I mean, the main thing for me for the day. It may mm-hmm. not be for you, but the forgiveness. And as I said this time, this is one that's easy to get in your head. It's real hard to get in your gut and your mm-hmm. heart. It's mm-hmm. real hard to do. Um, so in Genesis 50, we got the end of the Joseph cycle of how Israel ended up. You know, it's a lead in to Exodus. How did Israel end up? in Egypt. And, you know, we all, we all know the basic story of, of, but it might not hurt homiletically to quickly review. Yeah. Be sure to you know, it for everybody. the brothers, the brothers were resentful. He was a little snot and mm-hmm. they didn't, and they, they did an awful thing. Yeah. They, not only to him, but to his father, they sold him into slavery. He could, you know, probably to death. Mm-hmm. And then they told his father that he was dead. And they hid this for years. You got all the things that happened in Egypt where Joseph ends up being the number right-hand man to the Pharaoh and in charge of everything. And they don't know that they just know mm-hmm. there's this guy. They're back <laughs> up in Palestine. Everybody's starving. They know there's food in Egypt. They go hat in hand trying to get some food. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. There's a little playing with him. And then they finally say, ah, let me hug you, Nick. I know who you are. Go get daddy. Y'all move here. We'll, t- you know, we'll great everybody recon- come. Great reconciliation scene. Great yeah. story. Um, but, yeah. But underneath, they don't trust him. They think, <laughs> well, he's just playing nice because daddy's still yeah. around. Yeah. So when Daddy dies, talking about dysfunctional families, mm-hmm. they get—I can just see them getting to themselves. Well, what's he going to do now? Mm-hmm. They still don't trust the spoiled brat, and they said, "What are we going to? We got to basically 
people treat you the way they would treat you if they were in the <laughs> same situation. <laughs> see, Just projection think here. about it. That's yeah. they said. What would they? So they're saying, "Well, Daddy's dead. He's going to get us now. Mm-hmm. So we'd better go beg." So they go, and there's this great. This scene is not reconciliation with siblings. This is a proclamation of good news. Now, we have to be careful. This is a wonderful line. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This does not mean, in my estimation, that all the way back when God inspired them to sell him into slavery with this long, you know, this long range detailed plan. I think it does mean God works within our failures and our sins and our destructiveness to find ways to save God's people. Just as in the uh, Exodus story, same thing is true here. God is the same thing that Paul uh, taught in Romans. God is at work in the midst of all things. Doesn't mean God planned slavery, planned fleeing from Ms. Potiphar, planned seven years no. of hunger, planned, doesn't mean that. But in no. the midst of all that humanness and all the stuff that happens, God is there. God is working. And the, and the second part of this is so important as we move to the gospel is Joseph didn't forgive his brothers for anything they had done to earn forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about their Penance at what he knew, could look at him. They would have never repented if they hadn't encountered him in this position of power. I mean, it, it's just they it's weren't odd. looking for him to make up. No, yeah. they weren't. They weren't dealing with their conscience. But he didn't. He he didn't wait for them to be in the right spot emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually before he forgave them. Yeah. He forgave them because of God, not because of them. Mm-hmm. You meant it for you. You tried to do evil, but God was in the midst of it, and because of God, I forgive you. Yeah, which is a great setup, as you said. These are connected. It takes us into that gospel idea, right? Where the yeah, uh, I love Peter bringing the question to Jesus. Yeah, and just briefly skipping through Psalm one hundred three. Note the the line: "Who forgives all your iniquity?" Verse three. Who you know, who redeems your life from the pit. So this is, you know, referring, again, God does all this forgiving. How do we respond? So we move into Matthew, and as you were saying, <laughs> Peter's feeling pretty magnanimous and proud of himself, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> I love it that Peter, he, who often puts his foot in his mouth or engages his mouth before his brain really kicks in, uh, just opens so many great teaching moments for, yeah. for Christ. So... We're all familiar with this, so I just want to hit a few things. So I could, one of the things in preaching that's important is to realize that when you start talking about, well, so we are to forgive one another. If someone's ever done anything to you, it is God's will that you forgive them. It's This is one that's going to be hard to get their attention mm-hmm. at some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you got to hit a rough spot. you got to get the us, myself included, to take a look at our unwillingness, at our yes buts. Which is, to me, exactly what Jesus is doing with the 77 yeah. times. Yes, it right. sounds so absurd, it makes you go, what? It's, what? <laughs> it's not even, it's, yeah, it's, it's not even an issue, it's not even an attempt yeah. 
does we're not supposed to sit around with a ledger or in modern days our iPhone and keep a tab. You're right. 76, buddy. So you better watch out. It ain't two strikes and you're out. It's 76, but my <laughs> God, you've about had it. No. no. Instead of faking a smooth transition, we had a little momentary and I had to come back. So we were talking about how the 77 times not being literal and we've mm-hmm. done that. And, and it gets deeper when you get into the, the parable where yeah. he does the same kind of exaggeration. Mm-hmm. He's talking about uh, what one calculation would make the first <laughs> servant getting forgiven $3,750,000,000. And then he turns around and throws a guy in jail for 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's not meant to be realistic. Right. You can play with those numbers and just make, because that's what he's doing. He's trying to get, it's hyperbole to get their attention. That's it. Look, what you have been forgiven is so huge that what anybody else has done to you is really small. And it's hard for us. This is where our yes buts start. Well, I don't think I've ever done anything that bad. Mm -hmm. What if somebody killed my what ifs somebody killed my brother okay we can you know that's a special case most of us don't have a murdered sibling Mm -hmm. or mama so most of us most of what we need to forgive isn't that as gigantic as that so that's a different issue so on most of us most of the time we just have an emotional problem working our way through it we do and we want people to deserve it. I, I was talking this week with a pastor friend who we were rec- recollecting 9-11, where we were, and what happened that day. John and I were together in John's office at, at a Nashville, church, Tennessee. Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. And the secretary said, you got to see this. We went to the youth room, saw everything happening on the big TV down in the youth room. And then both of us had separate, different worship services. Well, this guy was talking about in South Atlanta, south side of Atlanta, three little churches, Episcopal, Methodist, and Presbyterian. He was the Episcopalian. And they put together, they did things together on a regular basis. So they, the three pastors put together a community prayer service. And they were going over the service beforehand. The Episcopalian wrote it. And the Methodist got to the prayers and he said, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like this prayer. What are we doing? He said, well, what, what, what is it? He said, what do you mean? Help us forgive those who did this. Mm. Why would we forgive them? You mean you want us to forgive these people? Why would we do that? No. After several minutes of unsuccessful wrangling and discussion, the old Presbyterian pastor just got in the young Methodist minister's face and said, because... Jesus died on the cross to forgive you, and he told us to. That's why we would do it. Yeah. I remember one of my laypersons in the church trying to, as we were trying to pray that same sentiment in those days after, and at least being honest and coming and saying, Pastor, I'm just not there yet. Yeah. I said, I understand. I understand. But this is our call to consider. Um, it's it's yeah. hard. We say in the liturgical traditions, we say it every Sunday mm-hmm. in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive mm-hmm. us our sins or their multiple ways. We say it, but it's so hard. And, you know, I, I'm odd. I'm going to talk about that incident in my sermon Sunday. I have to be preaching, but yeah. 
it's it's more important that we don't need to recognize the things we hold against those close to us. Yeah. Yeah. And how hard it is for us to willingly forgive. Sometimes I think we think forgiving them will give them a leg up on the relationship. They're getting away with something. They got away with something. We're yeah. child, so childish, maybe. I wouldn't say that homiletically, but find a way to say it. Well, but sometimes yeah. we're being petty. Find a way to paint that picture of talking with a. Uh, an, a young adult, but still an, an adult, well along in their 30s this week. Yeah. And he said, yeah, but this thing that happened, yeah, I can forgive them for that. But, you know, for the last five years, they did this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden, they're bringing the whole list forward. And I said, well, that's the tough thing about forgiveness. <laughs> it goes for all of it. What good is it doing? Bringing, you bringing all that stuff forward into your Heart, you know, you started out by saying this sort of thing. It's easy to get this in your head. It's hard to get it in your heart, which is where the passage ends in the gospel. I uh, had yeah. a very, very dear friend who I had known since college was an academic, uh, a good guy, taught uh, literature, and he and I taught theology mm-hmm. on that kind of intellectual level, and yeah. and he. Been raised sort of once a month Episcopalian in suburban D.C. He could talk the theology, but he he would also observe, you know, in that kind of distant kind of way. It didn't he didn't see that these issues, these kind of things, really applied as much today. You know, I, 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 I went to see him one time, and uh, we were talking, and he had I, I could tell something was going on. He had a really heavy heart. And he finally said, I did something really bad. And, uh, and we talked about it. He talked to him, you know, he talked to his spouse. And it really had injured her. Mm-hmm. And he said, we're in the midst of struggling over forgiveness. Me forgiving me and her forgiving me. And then about six months later, we were talking and he said, Please erase all the things I said about Christianity. Hmm. He said, I'm not an evangelical or anything now, but I do understand. Forgive, it's, it's about forgiveness, and, uh, and if it's not about forgiveness, it doesn't matter. But I finally yeah. realized how important it is to not only be forgiven by the people you've injured, but also to be forgiven by the universe, as he put it. Mm-hmm. And the stories you, he said, the stories you've told me, the theology you we've talked about, mm-hmm. helped me come to an, a feeling that I had an, an acceptance that I had been forgiven. That was a very powerful moment for me because I hadn't done anything but listened to him. But that's he, the biggie. And it is about forgiveness, or it doesn't mean anything. And that is a great thing for us to remember as preachers is, and we talked about this the last couple of shows, the call to proclaim. We, we give the word. You know, we do our best work. We, we pray. We trust the Spirit. We give the word. It's not really us helping people understand or get it. That is a work of the Spirit. And as you said, I didn't do anything but listen to the friend and the talk. That did its work. Uh, well, it's pretty strong. Every once in a while, I remind myself as a preacher of the truth of Zen. 
when Zen Buddhism, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So we we teach we preach and teach a lot, and sometimes mm-hmm. it does feel like it falls on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's not about us. We do our best. Correct. But when the student, when the when the hearer is ready, they, it will have been yeah. said, and that's what we do. Here's your moment of Bubba's in. <laughs> when the student is ready, every once in a while <laughs> we get it right. <laughs> Something like that. So, you know, we happen to say something and they well, go, oh. <laughs> well, on on the way out, one of the things that I think after a while you've experienced is somebody telling you about some sermon you preached <laughs> that meant so much to them. And half the time, you don't remember that sermon. And if you do, most of the time, you thought it sucked. Yeah, that's <laughs> How in the world did you get anything out of that? That was one of the God ones where you had two funerals and your baby, was, your child was sick, and, yep. and on Saturday night or Sunday morning you threw yep. something together, mm-hmm. and you were like, "God, forgive me for this. It's the best I can do this week." Yep. And this is the one somebody comes back to you and says, "That changed my life." You're going, "My word, <laughs> Lord, what was that all?" Lord about? of mercy, <laughs> Lord of mercy. Hey, Bubba, it's good stuff. Quick word, I want to let y'all know, retreat is on. Those of you yep. that have already signed up, you should be hearing a, a word of confirmation from us. Um, yep. uh, anybody last minute, they will take yep. last minute registrations yep. if there's anybody still wants to get in. The final thing I will say is we've heard from a few of you who just couldn't get to the uh, live workshop. Delmer and I are thinking, and if there's any way possible, we're going to work out an abbreviated digital version, uh, a Zoom yeah. Zoom version or something like that. And we've yeah. had several with us. So pay attention. We're trying to get around best we can, uh, but we're looking forward to being together in the workshop in a couple of weeks. All right, Bubba. All right. Good stuff. Not Take much care. for us to do today other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbles and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Half.Cool. We go out with the song Forgive, performed by This Hope, written by G. Bopay, L.J. Ristic, and This Hope. But what is broken, it may never mend. If I forget, what will
Here's my 